It's that time. Your fix is here. College football is a year-round discussion with these two. Here's J.C. and Morgan. Mike Morgan of ESPN and J.C. Sherbert of 24-7 Sports have you covered. Beginning right now. Uh, it is J.C. and Morgan. Hope you are doing well, everybody. It is December the 18th as we bring you installment number 225. Hope you enjoyed the uh, opening credits. It's, it's like sitting at the movie theater and watching the coming attractions. You know, you can, Now you can just listen to this with an uh, extra tub of buttered popcorn and kind of get, get ready for the, uh, the vibes. This is what happens when you become a popular show. You, you've got more bells and whistles, which is, which is nice. And yes, for those of you on chat row, good morning. We do record this live each and every week now. Most of you will listen later on on delay, and we remind everybody of a few things. The website is jcandmorgan.com. The format is everywhere. Uh, if you don't like to see our smiling faces, well, that's fine. Spotify iTunes, Google Play, we don't take it personally. If you do want to see not necessarily our smiling faces, but kind of a a number of things that we've got going on on the uh, video board, uh, YouTube, yeah, YouTube has been uh, very good to us, uh, as well as Facebook and Twitter. Uh, JC, with the uh, ski cap you can only imagine, is in Chicago. And uh, I am, um, although you see Montana Grizzly Stadium behind me, congratulations, to the Grizz making it to the championship game in FCS. Uh, I'm actually at a Marriott in Nashville after calling the Tennessee Titans game against the Houston Texans, uh, which is is just incredible. This city, JC, you lived here for a while. This city has grown by leaps and bounds. I have some family that grew up in Nashville when it was, frankly, a podunk country music town. And not a whole lot else. And we've watched it. Uh, I'm going to make up a word. I don't know if this is a word. Metamorphosize into this cosmopolitan juggernaut that everybody wants to live in. That now has, um, of course, since 1998, pro football. Uh, since around the same time, pro hockey. I went to my first Nashville Predators game. That's why I'm wearing the smash hat. That's short for Smashville. That's kind of their um, uh, primal scream uh, chant over there. It's very cool. I haven't been to a, I hadn't been to a hockey game since the Atlanta Thrashers existed, and that was 15 years ago. <clears throat> 15 years ago, my wife had never been to a hockey game in her life. She grew up in Kentucky. No hockey there. We had a blast. I can't say enough about the presentation and the atmosphere and the vibe that uh, that Nashville does. I know m- most college football fans aren't huge hockey fans, and I'm not a huge hockey fan either. But, man, when you see it in person, it is cool as you know what. So had a great time with that. And then uh, you know Nissan Stadium is going to be a it's going to be a brand new stadium in a couple of years, and that's probably going to host a, their fair share of college football playoffs uh, in time, because Nashville has become a destination city for so many, much like you know Miami, Atlanta, and California and Arizona. So look for that. But um, uh, it's been a busy, busy week, JC, and I know you have been busy keeping up with all the madness and craziness that's going on in the portal, and we've got bowls to talk about. 
that began in earnest uh, over the weekend uh, leading up to the playoff. Uh, And with all that, I say good morning and welcome. Senator, you have the floor. Uh, Thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to also remind everybody about Instagram. Uh, Soon, uh, our shows, some of our shows here on Chief Sports uh, app, download the Chief Sports app too, by the way. Um, we'll be streaming live on Insta as well as oh, um, cool. everything. Yeah, our program just got the technology to do it. It also just got the technology to uh, on Twitter to join the chat box. So I guess they're integrating or whatever. Um, lived in Nashville seven years. Loved it. Probably my favorite place I've lived. Would never go back. And I'll tell you why. It was already cra- getting crowded, right? Uh, and you're talking to somebody that I had to go. Like the first time I lived there, we had a house out in Spring Hill, and so I had about a 30-minute commute. And when there was anything on 65 that was wrong, just your normal fender bender or whatever, you would not – I mean, you're an hour late to get to Brentwood, which is on that side of Nashville. Mm-hmm. Uh, second time I lived in Franklin, a little bit closer in the Cool Springs area, still 15 minutes to go five miles, uh, just people everywhere. I left in 2014. 15, sorry, the spring of 2015. Uh, It was getting crowded at that point. Mike, I've been back intermittently for work because 24-7 sports is still based there. So, uh, And actually, Nat, my my future bride here in 12 days, getting (laughs) hitched. Um, We had our first date there. We we saw Eric Church at Nissan Stadium and uh, over Memorial Day weekend and went honky-tonking and stuff. I guess I just haven't noticed it, but I was driving from, from Chicago to Columbia, South Carolina, uh, in August, and I took the long way. I went down all the way through Illinois and over through Kentucky and down 24 through Murfreesboro and all that. And when you're coming in on I-24, you hit a corner, and you kind of go around the edge, and you see the skyline. Now, I- I'd noted several times since I've lived in Chicago, Chicago has one of the biggest, broadest skylines with big buildings and all that, probably outside of New York City. You look at L.A., downtown L.A. is not full of all these skyscrapers and all. It's a big spread out megapolis. Uh, Most cities look a lot like Charlotte downtown, uh, if you want to get right down to it. Miami has a little bit up and down the coast. Uh, But but Chicago and New York, probably, if you're looking for like a big, huge, long skyline, that's it. I roll around the corner, and the Nashville skyline looks nothing like it did when I was there. Uh, seven years off and on both times. And it used to just be kind of the Batman building, a couple of other buildings. And and it it looked a lot like Charlotte, if you just glanced at it, right? It looks like a megapolis now, and there's cranes everywhere. You can't even even pick out the Batman building. It it, it, it doesn't dominate the skyline. It's it's unfreaking believable. Just the downtown area alone has become like this gigantic city. Now there's reasons for that living like quality of life is great in the state of Tennessee. There's no state income tax. Uh, it's a low cost of living. Most places, I don't know about Nashville anymore, but most, most places, um, the weather, of course, the weather's kind of erratic, but it's warm. You know, if you're up North and want to get warm, Nashville's great. Plus, uh, you know, it's just, when I live there, I always felt like good about living there. You know, it's one of those places you get out of bed, you go, okay, man, I live in Nashville. This is pretty daggum cool to live in this place. Mm-hmm. I don't know about it anymore because I'm I'm getting to the age where a, a big flooded city would bother. I'm looking to kind of get, 
I'm more likely to live in Abbeville, South Carolina, or move to, to Johnsonville with my boy Lance Player here in Johnsonville, South Carolina, down to the PD, where there's nothing that I have to move back to Nashville. But it is it, 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 the point of all this is it is an emerging city. It's really kind of the next big thing. Um, and, and they're building that stadium. It's going to be a dome. Uh, it's going to be a billion and a half dollars. I think they're tearing down Nissan and building it right there. We're building yep, that's going to be a parking lot. They're going to host Final Fours. They're going to host college football playoff championships, and they may mm-hmm. host Super Bowls. The NFL yep. loves Nashville. If you notice, the draft was there a few years ago. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. It is a sports town. There, the airport there, too, I flew through there for the first time. Uh, two summers ago, going to Myrtle Beach or Chicago, and I connected there, and it's unrecognizable. I mean, and it's a big southwest uh, southwest hub, you know, so that it, it, it's a cheap flight in a lot of ways. Uh, American has a big airline service there. I mean, it is a it, it's an easy sort of easyish place to fly in and out of as well. So. Hats off to Nashville. Glad you enjoyed your time there, Mike. And I know you go a few times. I mean, from Atlanta up there, it's not a bad drive at all. No, so, three and a half. Yeah. Unless you have, again, an accident on 75, which is what yeah. I had on the way up. And then I had to detour. And so it wound up being closer to four. Um, but, I mean, people sometimes ask me, why do you stay in Atlanta? Um, you know, technically I'm in Brookhaven, which is north Atlanta. As I like to remind people, like, uh, that's not my mayor. Brookhaven has a mayor. That's not my police force. That doesn't do anything about crime in Buckhead. We have our own police force. Um, Buckhead wanted to do that, and there's a lot of people that live in Buckhead that definitely wanted that, and it mysteriously got uh, uh, slammed down. Uh, It didn't happen because the people in South Fulton County need those tax dollars uh, to continue to have, uh, well, Whatever you want to call it, they they want those tax dollars. So, you know, every every town has its own unique political structure. But one of the reasons why I, I stay in Atlanta is that it's so convenient for what I do, which is call a lot of games, and many of them are, are in the southeast. And so I can drive to Vanderbilt, Tennessee, South Carolina, uh, Georgia, uh, Auburn, Alabama, and then if I'm feeling froggy. Uh, I've done this before. I've driven to Oxford, Starkville, Gainesville. Um, you know, I'm just not getting in my car and going to LSU, Arkansas, A&M anytime soon. <clears throat> Missouri is always, and fans out there of an SEC team that have had to go to Missouri for a game, you know that there's just no easy way to get there. And uh, But Austin, easy, easy in and out. And Norman, Oklahoma, for those of you that have never been and wondering, what's that like? You, know, you fly into Oklahoma City. It's not a bad drive. Just follow the wind, and you'll get to Norman, and you'll be in Norman, Oklahoma. So uh, as the, the, this part of the country continues to boom, yeah. I mean, Atlanta 20 years ago and Atlanta today is nothing, not at all the same. And that's what Nashville, Nashville is becoming Atlanta light. It yeah. really is. And, and the uh, skyline, too. I forgot about Atlanta because when you come sort of up 75, it is quite broad. You know, if, if you go, it looks about twice the size of Charlotte as far as big buildings. And that's kind of how Nashville's starting to look, just to be honest, man. Yeah. I was shocked. I said, where the – am I in the right – okay. Well, you know. Uh, and unfortunately, I went through there at 5 o'clock. So I got stuck coming out going through Murfreesboro and all that. And that's uh, always interesting. 
But um, so I got a good look at it because I was stuck. <laughs> but um, yeah, man, I, like I said, I love living there. I'm so happy that uh, that it's kind of up and coming. Uh, hats off to everybody that does live there. Uh, I still have lots of friends that, that are working and living in Nashville. But uh, uh, I just, you know, I'm not in my 30s anymore. <laughs> Well, no, I mean, at this point, like, you would do visit. I'll visit many times. Like when know? a when a Kirk Herbstreet and and one of the many people in the entertainment business that have moved here recently, you don't live in the heart of Nashville. You no. live in the Burbs. Sure. You live in the Burbs. Um, and I'm not as familiar with the Burbs as as you are. I know all the Burbs in Atlanta. I don't know them in in Nashville, but. Um, to just circle back one last time on on how it relates to college football fans, you fans of college football, it's going to be more than just the Music City Bowl. This is – it's already become – they've tried the SEC basketball tournament in a number of places. It's not leaving Nashville. Uh, they had a couple one-offs with Tampa. And Atlanta was a fine home for it, but not a great home for it, especially when they played in the Georgia Dome. Uh, basketball is not made to be played in domes. Final four, you have to do it because the money is too good to turn down. You want to sell, you know, 80,000 tickets and people sitting and they can't even see uh, where the basketball is. But for an SEC tournament, you want you want the Bridgestone Arena. It's perfect, absolutely perfect size, perfect sight lines, perfect, perfect, perfect. So the SEC basketball tournament basically has planted its flag. Like we are, Nashville is our headquarters. The SEC championship game will never leave Atlanta. Never. Um, but you are going to see more college football playoff type games in this city. It's just, it, it makes sense on so many levels, geographically, the, the footprint of the fan bases. Uh, and it's a destination city. You want to give pl- uh, fans that are spending their hard-earned money other things to do than just the game. It's no longer just about the game. You got to give them reasons that they can spend uh, three, four, five days, whatever the case may be, in that town. In Nashville, you could you can find two weeks worth of activities easily yeah. uh, in the city. So, and, uh, Daddy O asked, "When's Major League Baseball coming to Nashville?" There's a lot of talk up here. Jerry Reinsdorf's going to move the White Sox down there. I can't imagine why he wouldn't want to. I, I mean, you you've you've been to that ballpark. I, look, I, I get this with Atlanta. People go to that airport, and by the way, there should be two airports. We're a city of 8 million people and somehow have one airport. Uh, that's not a flex. That's just stupid. Every other major city of that size has more than one airport. But the people that, again, in South Atlanta control that, uh, they don't want competition. They want to bank all the money. That's why it'll never happen. Long story short. Um, but when you... Uh, and I just lost my train of thought on that. He's like, you go to Atlanta and you go through the airport. Oh, yeah. When, when people land, and I get this all the time, Mike, I don't know about Atlanta. You know, I, well, what, have you, what do you know about Atlanta? Well, I mean, I've been to the airport, and I've been to South Atlanta. I've been to downtown. Like, yeah, nobody goes to downtown except for a sporting event or a concert. But, like, you don't necessarily live in downtown. That's not Atlanta. And I, I think people watch Chicago, JC, on TV – and oh, I've been gosh. in Chicago, I don't know, half a dozen times. Um, and they see all the crime, and they see all the statistics, and they see South Chicago, and they just assume it's a war zone. No. Honestly, I don't know because I've never been to South Chicago. I've only been to, like, the Wrigley part of town. 
right? So no, that's the that's the snooty part. It, well, yeah, but even the snooty part now. Every now and then, the, some of the crime migrates there. Oh yeah, yeah. But so so when you say like Reinsdorf wants to move the team, is that the reason why, or is one of the reasons? You're always going to be second banana to the Cubs. We know that. They, they were weird because, okay. So they rebuilt Comiskey right before Oriole park at Camden yards. Right. And, 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 and Oriole park at Camden yards, the Baltimore were Baltimore plays ushered in this retro ballpark era. Uh, even Turner Field had elements of that. Uh, the new Comiskey Park was just like a big Yankee Stadium-looking thing, <laughs> like no charm. They ended up moving the outfield, like the old Comiskey, the outfield faced at the city line, skyline, right? The new one, it faces a housing project. Um, and they tried over and over again to, to spruce it up, bless their hearts. They have the best concessions in Major League Baseball as far as food goes. And a loyal fan base because it's on South End. Uh, the South, all the South Siders like the Sacks, right? The Cavs are a tourist attraction. Real baseball fans like the White Sox. But the stadium sucks. The city is ridiculously run by a bunch of morons. Um, they can't even get the Bears right. Um, and I think that when you look at emerging Major League Baseball markets, Vegas is off the table now with the A's likely going there. The Nashville group, in my understanding, and this is just, I have no inside information on this. It's just from reading articles and stuff. The Nashville group is very, very strong. Like as far as, you know, ownership groups, like who who's the favorite, whatever. It's Nashville, Portland is in it. There's talk about Mexico City and all that. Um, so if, if, you, if you are looking to build a new ballpark for the Sox, which I do agree they need, um, what are the chances Chicago is going to really step up and help you? Probably slim to none. But Nashville is a nicer place. <laughs> it's an emerging market. It's a growing city. Um, it makes sense. Now, that would be unfortunate because, like I said, that it, it's be kind of like when the Raiders left Oakland the first time or when the Chargers left to go back to L.A. Or, uh, or, or even the St. Louis Rams going back to L.A. You know, there's a lot of – a ton of whites. They've been here 120-some years. Mm-hmm. You know, that those types of dynastic baseball franchises don't just up and move. I mean, the A's are on the move again, but the A's, people don't remember this. The A's started in Philadelphia, went to Kansas City, went to Oakland, and now they're going to Vegas. You know, um, it, it's, it would be like the Brooklyn Dodgers leaving for L.A. You know, that it's that kind of like, wow. You know, um, because, uh, you know, even though there are two baseball teams here, and the Cubs do get like the more of the national notoriety. There's probably more White Sox fans. Really? Yeah. No kidding. That was surprising to me. Now I live in the Southwest suburbs, so we're all South end and there's a gigantic North end going all the way to the Wisconsin border full of Cubs fans. But no, I've I've found in my experience there are the white, it's not like they play second fiddle to the Cubs as far as fan base goes. Yeah, that's interesting. I I think Nashville would be a great home for it. I think Vegas is going to get a major league baseball team, and I think yeah. Pete Rose should uh, help cut the ribbon uh, for the opening <laughs> ceremonies of that and say, "See, I told you, gambling's not so bad." Um, but but Nashville would certainly be in play. And yes, uh, the the Bra- the best thing the Braves did was get out of Turner Field, move up to Cobb County, and uh, that is a decision. 
even though it was publicly criticized by uh, some of the people at the AJC who have their own uh, personal uh, vendettas. Uh, everybody agrees that is a massive win for the Braves, Braves fans, everything, the battery, the whole nine yards. Uh, they did it right. Um, I criticize it till the day I walked in the battery. And yeah. I like, oh, I get it now. Boom. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, and the thing is, it was never about the stadium. Like you could have, if you could have taken uh, five industrial strength uh, Apache helicopters and connected cranes to the top of Turner Field, lifted it in the air, and moved it from downtown and over dropped it right into Cobb County. That would have been fine. I mean, the stadium wasn't wasn't bad. But what you're learning now in in professional sports is uh, stadiums have like a 20 year shelf life, and then they get bulldozed for a new stadium. So 20 25 years is almost like the expiration date. Colleges yeah. don't have that luxury. You stay with the stadium, and you just keep putting more money to refurbish it. Usually, right? Yeah, stadiums, yeah. Basketball arenas sometimes. I think basketball arenas sometimes you move, get a yeah. new one. Yeah, you know, South Carolina. Baseball. Let's say they, they left uh, Carolina Coliseum. It opened in '69. They left in '03. It's about 20, 24, that's 34 years. So it's a little longer. Um, I know in the SEC, there's a lot of old, old basketball arenas that they've been trying to kind of. But they, but know, most of those have been bulldozed. So. Like the last yeah. was the, was the tad pad in Oxford. Yeah. <clears throat> I blew that up. They built a beautiful new arena, by the way, coach beard doing an unbelievable job in Oxford already. Yeah. Talk about a home run hire. Um, uh, Auburn brand new arena. Right, Coleman uh, and Tuscaloosa is getting they're on torn deck down, and they're getting something new there, which is Florida, long overdue. Florida built the O'Connell Center in the nineties, late nineties. So uh, I think the eighties, and yeah. then they redid it recently, but it's still in the same spot. I mean, it's still the same yeah. building. They just they just gutted seats and added suites. That's like the new thing now, right? So Bud Walton was new. Um, Yep, Rupp has been Rupp for a while, I guess. I remember, I remember. I'm old enough to remember when the Smith Center in Chapel Hill was a brand new arena. Yeah, it was like unbelievable. Nobody ever seen anything like it. Nobody's seen anything like so, it. The Dean Dome and it's still special. Arena is relatively new. Uh, I know. Te- what was Texas doing? Texas built a new arena, didn't they? They built Just a new recently. basketball arena. Yep. Yeah, it's no, they're so. no longer the Irvin Center. I don't know what they call it. I haven't been back there for a game since they uh, did the new one. A um, and M. With as much money as they have, something tells me they might be looking at a new arena at some point in time. And, and just that, uh, that thing's only like twenty. That happened in the nineties. Yeah, they used to play in a barn, like a like hey, it wasn't good at all. And then they built it's right there. Um, you've been there, right? You've called games there. Several. It's right there, kind of. Um, it's nice. I mean, but yeah, they, it's nice. Knowing those guys, though, I mean. They they had a, used to have a baseball stadium that had two decks. I think it still does, and they tore yes, that it down. Yes, it does. And awesome. Built a new, like what is it? Dairy Queen Park. Blue Blue Bell. Blue Bell. You know, I know it was ice cream. Blue Man. Bell Park. Whew. I, I, and, you know, and when you're there, when you're calling a game, or if you're covering a game there, it's unlimited free Blue Bell ice cream. So you can put on twenty pounds during a uh, Texas A&M baseball season if you're covering that squad. Not a bad, not a bad trade off. Anyway, I don't know how we got on on all these subjects, but. Um, I tell you what we'll do. We're going to take a break, get to the JC five, get back on track, uh, go over what's been going down, and uh, a few thoughts on a, a couple of things uh, specifically. And I've got a question for you, JC, that involves bowl games slash 
portal power. I'll explain. After this break, it's JC and Morgan back in just a few. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams, or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs, or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in Southern soil, are crafted by Southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Hey, folks, want to tell you about our friends at Titan Construction Group really quick. They're a mid-Atlantic-based general contractor, specializes in retail, restaurant, and office construction. TCG strives to separate itself from other general contractors by adding value every step of the process. From project budgeting to estimation, value engineering to construction, they focus on those relationships and not the transaction. Titan builds partnerships one project at a time. Among their clients are Starbucks, Crumble Cookie, uh, Blake Pizza, Home Goods, 15 plus years experience based in Midlothian, Virginia, and contracted in Virginia, West Virginia, North Carolina, and South Carolina. So get on their website, Titan cginc.com that's titancginc.com get in touch with brad if you're in need of a general contractor that focuses on going above and beyond for their clients that's titan construction group a proud sponsor of the jc and morgan podcast south carolinians this message is for you as well as for people in georgia florida and tennessee if you think you may need work done to your roof or a new roof altogether, there's one simple name to remember, Elite Roofing and Restoration. South Carolina native Jeremy Johnson has been helping people in the South make sure they have the very best people checking on and building new roofs for over 25 years. Fully licensed, bonded, and insured. They provide the best service possible. Call or email today, 678-781-1998. That's 678-781-1998. Or you can go to Elite Roofing. GA.com. Schedule a no-hassle free inspection today. Wind damage, hail damage, or just wear and tear. Don't settle for second best. Let Jeremy Johnson and Elite Roofing and Restoration take care of it all for you today. It's time for the top topics in the sport. We bring the JC5. By the way, before we get into that, I'm teasing the next break already. We've had some really good emails over the last few weeks. I'm going to fall on the sword here. We've been so jam-packed with stuff. We're going to do a better job of getting to your emails. We love the emails, jcandmorgan.com. You can hit us up in the mailbag there. So in the next segment, I promise we will get to some emails and answer some of your astute questions with the best possible answers that we can provide. And with that, Mr. Announcer, what number are we on on the JC5? Number one. Oh, yeah. Number one. All right. Uh, Mike, uh, getting a little political here. I'm going to say this. The National Labor Relations Board is suing. It's all on the West Coast. They're suing, I think, some schools out there, whatever, trying to – or there's a lawsuit. that they, they have interpreted under this administration that college athletes are employees. Uh, this is some kind of suit that's going to be followed pretty closely because if they rule like that, that that could really, I mean, it could really hurt college athletics or, or, or really change it. I, I don't know. 
we've talked a lot about should players get compensated, and I, and I'm, I think we're in agreement they should. Uh, mm-hmm. I think we're they're in agreement. We're all in agreement that you know it's kind of an unfair system. But it, but when you talk about employment, there's a you know a lot of regulation, a lot of uh, ability to unionize. Not every state's the same as far as unions and stuff go. Your thoughts on if the federal government stepped in uh, with an unelected bureaucrat making this decision, not 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 someone that's been elected? Uh, your thoughts about that possibly happening? Big mistake. Um... Just, I've been saying this for years. I just, I, I want it to come. I don't see it reported anywhere, and maybe I'm just, maybe I'm missing it. To uh, to quote Tim Robbins and Shawshank Redemption, is it deliberate? Are are you obtuse? Um, maybe I'm obtuse, but here's what I know about: if you have a true employer-employee relationship, these schools collect millions of dollars the average sec and big 10 school is about to get a hundred million dollars a year before a single ticket is sold before you think that all goes into like a bunch of fat cats pockets and you know like they're hedge fund guys collecting billions and partying with jeff bezos on a yacht in the caribbean that's really not how it goes it costs a lot of money to run these programs um all these facilities that one person puts their, their toe in the water and, and builds a state-of-the-art weight room. Well, now every, every other school's got to do it. Another one builds a brand-new academic center, and every other school's got to do it. Another one uh, you know, puts a, a slide and, and, a, and a, a, an ice, ice cream machine inside. Like, you just keep doing it and doing it and doing it to the point where the, the college football facilities at the high levels mirror the NFL. So that costs a lot of money. The insurance, you know what the insurance is for college? Like when a kid tears his ACL, he's not doing what we what, what we do, which is having to call up Cigna and hope that it's covered and hope that they don't crush us on the uh, uh, deductible. No, it, it's 100% covered. And so it, it costs a lot of money to run these operations. And yes, the AD makes a bit and more more noticeably the coaches now are making more than ever and that's what you know was how can a coach make nine million when this kid is not making anything so i think we have fixed that financially we're now the average starting sec quarterback is making over a million dollars a year i think that's more than fair but remember i said this the moment you make it employer employee those schools now that get a hundred million dollars will have to start paying taxes on that $100 million. Right now, it's almost treated like a nonprofit. Okay? They don't pay taxes on that money. They will have to at that point. Well, what does that do? Well, that <laughs> that cuts out about 35% of what's coming in. Well, what does that do? Well, eventually... The less money that goes to the top means the less money that goes to the student athletes, and I, I'm, there's there's no way around that. Like you, you can't just go after what you think is the bad guy and play Robin Hood and rob from the rich and give to the poor. That's not what this would become. So they are doing everything and they can to call it something different. NIL was the perfect. It was perfect on two levels. Number one. You're not calling them employees, therefore I'm not an employer, therefore I'm not paying FICA and, and all the other taxes that I have to pay in that situation. Number two, 
I'm circumventing Title IX. You already have uh, lawsuits out there well, the, from women's sports that say, well, the football starting quarterback for the football team is making $1.5 million, and Stacy, the starting shooting guard, is making five grand. Well, again, in, in a true supply and demand, which is what uh, – I mean, we're basically looking at the entertainment business now, right? In the entertainment business – what uh, take a famous act? What Bradley Cooper makes on a movie is more than what Paulie Shore makes on a movie. Who's the, the the number one comic right now? I mean, I just saw Bill Burr in Atlanta. What Bill Burr gets to go on tour and what he makes in a guarantee is more than what Carrot Top is going to covet and and be able to garner uh, when he does uh, your local. By the way, Carrot Top. I mean, he takes a lot of crap, but the guy there's ne- there's never been a better prop comic. Um, so you have all these things that they have, they have been able to navigate through to avoid paying taxes and to avoid, uh, okay, the, the, the high diver now needs to make the same amount of money as a starting shooting guard. That's kind of ridiculous on the surface, but in, in the Title IX world, the Title IX world lives in a different reality. It's not based on true market value. It's not based on supply and demand. It's just based on, well, they get this, so we got to get the same. If you start messing around with that, um, it's going to be very, very interesting. It, 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 all of a sudden, to your point, JC, it's a house of cards. Like it, the structure as you know it would completely change. Because even though kids are making a lot of money now, and they are making a lot of money, and they're paying for nothing, um, and 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 I'm totally down with it. But let's not continue to just. It's one of those where the mob is never going to. You, you don't you don't satisfy the mob. The mob runs on a mentality of the squeaky wheel gets the oil, and then when you get what you want, well, you just keep complaining, and you just keep fighting for more and more and more and more and more, and you never are satisfied. And that's kind of what you're, you're, we're looking at right now. You've got football and basketball players making insane money to play college athletics, and then you still have some people go, well, that's still not fair. We want, we want to be labeled uh, employers. Well, be, employees, be careful what you wish for. Be careful what you wish for, because that might actually hurt everybody, not just the so-called evil empire up top that runs college athletics. That might not be a good thing for everybody. Yeah, I mean, you know, and the same people pushing for employment are the same people pushing for, like, equal pay for women's athletics. Well, that's what and, I'm and saying. I, and I'm that's, sorry, that's... you know, it, it, it's not – the value is not there in terms of – I mean, like you said, it's entertainment. I mean, look. Everybody, I, I, I kind of like the Indigo Girls, right? But the Indigo Girls are not going to make as much at a concert as uh, freaking uh, Guns N' Roses sometimes. Yeah. Now, in some cases, Taylor Swift will draw, but that this is an individual, not a band, will draw more than maybe uh, Red Atkins, okay? And, and that's kind of the case, like, Caitlin Clark at Iowa is probably making more than their second-string guard right on the football team um and and so it gets confusing when you start when you start trying to push title nine with employment you know then the, what do you what do you just want like like massive profit sharing or i mean everybody makes the same socialism is that what you're looking for probably so with some of these people but, that's uh, what some some are looking I, for that's what some of these lawsuits are all about i think the title nine lawsuits about nil are completely asinine because NIL is purely based on value. 
right? Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying some of these values aren't. I mean, just from a talent standpoint, you know, I'm like, oh, why'd you pay for that guy that much? You know, that kind of thing. But you're not going to spread that wealth around because you're going to, you know, the 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 the, the guys that are of interest nil wise that draw more eyeballs are, are usually drawing more than the gals. That's just a fact of life, man. It's the same thing, you know. I, I mean, like the the Olympic soccer team. Okay, that controversy. Those those are the Olympics. Okay, I kind of get it. You know, that kind of thing. Um, the NCAA tournaments, yeah, the, the, the practice facilities needed to be, the experience needed to be similar for both because they're under, they're nonprofits. They're, they have a different mission than, you know, making money. They're not, they're not really like for-profit types of deals. You know, they're not, they're not, they're not supposed to be capitalist in a sense is what I'm saying. But you start, you wanted an unlimited NIL, you know, this is what you wanted. Some of you out there, you know, they're pushing this other agenda and those three agendas, Title IX, NIL, and employment, all collide tremendously. Um, and so I think I think people better be careful what they wish for. Uh, I, I do not think an unelected bureaucrat needs to be determining, you know, just because of the, just the differences between even different different people within an administration, regardless of, of – one person does not need to be pushing for this, Okay. Um, it needs to be something that everybody kind of comes together on, in my opinion. But yeah, you're absolutely right. It's a slippery slope, and we'll see what happens. And I'm one that's all four players getting paid. I just think that when you talk, start talking about employment, as Mike pointed out, it's a different animal. Are you are you familiar with Olivia Dunn? Absolutely. Um, yeah. Well, I think a lot of people might not be boned up on uh, the name. Um, but it's one of those where no, I don't know who Olivia Dunn is. Oh, oh, the gymnast from LSU. Yeah, yeah, now, now, now I know who you're talking about. So Olivia Dunn, for those that don't know, uh, and look, gymnastics is is a is a popular sport. There's a there's a certain fan base that is goo goo gaga over gymnastics and actually does quite well on Friday night on the SEC Network. Uh, they 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 kind of stumbled upon an audience that's really strong. And they do a great job with the the presentation, and and it's a it's a to do. And I, I've been on on these SEC campuses to call a basketball game, and at the same time they're about to do a, a gymnastic uh, meet the night before, and you can't get a ticket. Like it is it's crazy. Now again, are they charging what a what a football game ticket is? No, but but the point is there is a market for it. Um, but now, do they make money? The only sports that actually make money are college football and college basketball. I once got into a debate with somebody about a specific women's basketball program who's very good, and they're like, oh, yeah, no, they make money. I'm like, no, they don't. They lose $5 million a year. Um, no, 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 they have to make money. No, they don't. They're they're losing $5 million a year. The premier women's basketball programs are in the red. Uh, some baseball programs turn a profit. Most don't. And just about everything else other than football and men's basketball lose money. So it's not true supply and demand when you're talking about the way they dole out scholarships. But Olivia Dunn makes an upwards of over $3 million. God bless her. I mean, that's NIL. There is a market for her. People are fast. If you look at her Instagram followers, and I don't judge true market value on on social media, you can go out and spend $50 and add a couple of thousand Instagram followers tomorrow if that's that important to you. It, it can be done. Um, but But she has a – she's on, I don't know, uh, calendars and I mean, there's people know her and they gravitate toward her. 
and so she's making $3 million. That's great. Um, but you can't give every gymnast $3 million. So you're not going to have equity in college athletics NIL. You just that that's not that's not really a thing. But for some people, again, it's the attitude of, well, it doesn't hurt to just bitch and moan and get anything I can. So I'm going to uh, take a sign and protest and try to get whatever I can out of this. But that part is not going to happen. Um, but the people that are in charge and I'll just put a bow on it because I know we're, we're going into a rabbit hole here. The people in charge are still trying to figure out a way to get all the. They're not trying to deny college athletes money. It, you folks that have been listening to the Jalen Roses of the world who tries to convince you that a bunch of evil men sit in a smoke-filled room and say, how can we keep that the young football and basketball players down? How can we exploit that? That's not the way it goes. Uh, they want them to get money, but they don't want to have to pay taxes. They don't want to turn this thing into a true uh, employer employee type of situation. That's why they're trying to get an antitrust exemption, which existed in baseball for years. Uh, they're trying to avoid a true sports model and believe a pro sports model. And believe it or not, I think that actually is good for college athletes. Right now, I think it's as good as it gets in, in the NIL landscape. It's got to have guardrails, and it's a nightmare for coaches. Uh, the current setup is just a complete show uh, that every coach is sitting there trying to navigate through. Uh, but I, I think it was actually brilliant the way they found some, I don't want to call them loopholes, that implies they're cheating. They're not cheating. This is 100% legal. But they found a way to do this without calling it a true employer-employee relationship. Yeah, it's in number uh, two collectives and all that. So Jerry Kill, the Kill Zone, baby. Oh yeah. Um, it's uh, oh, and by the way, uh, our South Carolina people in chat row, all the questions you have about the Gamecocks specifically, we'll get to that on the next show. Uh, you know, because uh, all of our Alabama and Florida and all that, they don't. That I'll answer those later. I promise. So anyway, uh, Jerry Kill. They go to the New Mexico Bowl. They got beat by Fresno pretty doggone good. But so the New Mexico Bowl is in Albuquerque at the University of New Mexico, and apparently they're rivals, right? And so the quarterback, Diego, what's his name for New Mexico State, apparently had taken a leak on the Lobos logo after they beat him this year. Say what? Yeah, and, and so apparently that happened, and, and he got punished and disciplined and, you know, killed what – yeah, they, they punished him and all that good stuff. Well, the AD at New Mexico is petty and decides to keep them from practicing for the bowl or try to keep them from practicing for the bowl, New Mexico bowl, in the Lobos indoor facility. Want them to sit outside and freeze in terrible weather. So Jerry Kill just calls him out after the game. and <laughs> points out that he punished the quarterback, whatever, blah, 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 blah. So number one, Mike, it's nice to see some spice in the New Mexico, New Mexico state rivalry, right? <laughs> but but number two, in, in in our era where, you know, there's all this political correctness and, and coaches kind of sound like robots and they don't want to say anything, uh, I do think it's refreshing for a guy like Kill to, to go off at the post-game press conference of the New Mexico Bowl uh, on, the, on the AD uh, for trying to block them. Uh, when it's a bowl situation and they're contractually obligated to do it for trying to block them and keep them out, I, I thought that was petty. You've entered the kill zone. The kill zone. 
All right, number three. Number three, this time next year, Mike, if this were next year, we'd be sitting here enjoying Penn State, Ohio State, Georgia Ole Miss rematch, Florida State versus Liberty, Oregon versus Missouri in the first round. Wow. Uh, And as much as I do like the Bulls and, you know, Haters are going to hate the Bulls, whatever. I I still I like the New Mexico Bull, quite frankly. Man, oh, man, that is going to give us a showcase sports weekend during a time where in our lifetimes it's never been. Your thoughts? Mm-hmm. I can't wait. Um, I, I just I, – I, I'm past like the – you know, there's a, there's a great thrill for many in saying – I was right, you were wrong. There's a greater thrill in not even having to say it. For those for years that fought a playoff, for those for years that defended the BCS, um, for those for years that thought a playoff would destroy college football and that it would make the regular season meaningless and that if you expanded it would... You've been proven wrong on every point, but I ain't mad at you. I I love you. I want to give you a hug, and I want to... Just you know, put my arm around you and say welcome to the new age, and just enjoy it like the rest of us. Uh, it's going to be outstanding. It's it's going to be outstanding. Of course, the obvious uh, from a timing standpoint is we get rid of the whole crazy controversy that was Alabama over Florida State, uh, and, and we don't need to relitigate that. We've already said what we uh, uh, need to on that on this uh, show and did the live selection Sunday show. But that won't happen again, and you'll have all these great matchups. And again, I'm not anti-bowl game. In fact, I was filling in on some shows last week on 680 The Fan, and my whole thing was, okay, people, if you're so anti-bowl game, what do you tell me what you're watching instead. Now, if you're going to go outside and like train for a half marathon, fantastic. Get some fresh air. Get some exercise. Uh, you know, if, if you're going to take up a new hobby – uh, maybe work on sculpting. Uh, maybe work on um, maybe maybe take a tent and live in the wilderness for a couple weeks instead of watching bowl games. You know what? I respect that. You do you, and you go for that. But if you're like most of us, and after a hard day's work, you get home. Uh, maybe you have a, a, a nice wife that cooks you dinner. Maybe you don't. Maybe you order a pizza. And uh, if you have a dog, maybe you walk your dog. You should if you have a dog. If not, if you just walk around with a, a leash not connected to anything, people are going to talk, and I don't recommend that. But when you come back inside and it's 7, 8 o'clock, what do you do? What does the average household do? Now, again, if you're an avid reader, I used to hate these people. Like, you know, when you ask them, like, what do you, what do you, what's your favorite show? Oh, I don't even own a TV. I read. Well, that's good for you. That's very, how sophisticated of you. But if you're one of those people, again, I got love for you there, too. Or maybe you don't own a TV. Maybe you just read books every week. Fantastic. Or maybe you're multifaceted enough where you read, you walk your dog, you do some activities, you get some exercise, and when it's nighttime, you grab that remote stinking control and you're ready to be entertained. That's me. And I'm not, I'm not ashamed of it. And when I put that TV on, I've got choices, JC. I got a lot of channels. I pay a ridiculous amount of money on my cable bill for an incredibly awful cable company based uh, in Atlanta, and I don't need to say their name, but you folks out there know who I'm talking about. But I do it. Uh, what am I going to watch? So 
like this weekend we had the Myrtle Beach Bowl, for example, a bowl game that that I called the year before and had a good time calling it. I didn't see any any of it this weekend because I was working and, and calling the the Titans Texans game as I mentioned. But if I was home and I did have my remote control, what else am I am I watching? Again, the Hallmark movie with the the unhappy housewife who starts to fall uh, dangerously in love with her gardener. And, you know, stuff goes sideways, and then the ramifications of that. Look, I can appreciate a good uh, drama like that. Uh, I can appreciate a nice rom-com. I can watch Jaws for the 211th time. But if there's a bowl game on, I'm probably going to watch it. And so I don't understand why some people just thought that was like, like a hot take, like, I don't watch any of those bowl games, too many bowl games. Then don't watch! Then don't watch. But they're not going anywhere. They're money makers. And even when we have this 12-team playoff, we're still going to have these bowl games for the type of teams you just mentioned, JC, that are never going to be in the playoff. Even with 12 teams, let's face it. I could probably get a pen and paper and in five minutes write 50 programs in Division I college football that will never in our lifetime be in the 12-team playoff. And that's okay because they can still play in the Myrtle Beach Bowl. They can still play in the Independence Bowl, the Gasparilla Bowl. So uh, to to answer your 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 number 3, A, I'm I can't even it's like there's a Christmas present under that tree and I think I know what it is and I can't wait to unwrap it, but they're not letting me for another year. Can't wait. But B, uh, this is not going to completely destroy the the bowls. People watch bowl games. It's just something to do. It's something to watch. They'd rather have that than the other junk that's on TV. You have gamblers, and even now you have bowl pools and brackets, uh, more pools than brackets, I guess, much like March Madness. So uh, it's only going to get better. I'm happy about it. I have nothing negative to say about it. Rejoice. Number four. Uh, the mic got cut off for JC, and we'll don't, put that back don't on. Know why. Speaking of bowls, uh, Ole Miss back in the New Year's Six Bowl yet again. Um, I think this is the third time they've been, uh, maybe fourth. Uh, Hugh took, yeah, Hugh took them to the Sugar Bowl and the Peach Bowl. Lane's taking them to the Sugar Bowl and the Peach Bowl. So this is the fourth time. Um, they are cleaning up in the transfer portal. Like uh, they got Juice Wells from South Carolina, but. Lots of other guys, too, including some defensive linemen. Two starters from Tennessee off their defense. Uh, they call Kiffin the portal king. <laughs> they would have been in the playoff this year. They would have been. Um, now, Now, one thing we didn't talk about, the committee, I think the committee will do some tweaking. I don't think we would have seen Ole Miss in Georgia repeat and Ohio State, Penn State repeat. I think they would have flipped them up, uh, wink, wink, nod, nod, to avoid that. But uh, they would have been in the playoff this year. Mike, they add all these guys, including Walter freaking Nolan, who is a the beast D-tackle, the best. He was the best uh, of all those D-linemen A&M signed. He was the absolute best one and really the one that played the best during his time there. They had all these guys, man. Could Ole Miss be a factor in an expanded SEC and in the playoff next year? All right, let's start with how you phrased the, the beginning. Kiffin cleaning up in the portal. Is it Kiffin or is it the, the dollars behind the offers that they're they're doling out in Oxford that's cleaning up in the portal? 
Well, you have to have both. I know. I know they have. A, <laughs> I know they have a good situation there. That's they do. It's not they unlimited, do. but they got a good situation. That, that's right. Uh, I mean, and and again, as we we just saw with Texas A and M, that sometimes doesn't guarantee you much. It's it's not the you know the team with the highest payroll uh, that brings home the, the the championship every year. But yeah, look, I again, I'm a fan of Lane Kiffin, so that wasn't a knock on Lane Kiffin. I just I I think that clearly Ole Miss has a lot of funds that they can be very aggressive. You know, I mean, you had quarterbacks uh, that basically went to Ole, uh, Ole Miss in the portal last year that rode the bench because they settled on Jackson Dart. And meanwhile, you got a couple other kids who could start for a lot of other schools, but they went to Ole Miss. They weren't guaranteed. I mean, Lane didn't lie to them. Jackson Dart was the had the inside track on on playing. So clearly they, they are operating with a pretty good financial situation there. And yeah, I mean, Ole Miss has become an attractive place, and Lane has made it even cooler. Hugh Freeze got it started. Then they went through a malaise of Matt Luke, who, by the way, is back in college football, and I'm happy for Matt. He's a great man and a, and a very good offensive line coach. Um, and, and then they got Lane, and that is just a perfect fit. And if Lane was going to leave... I mean, he's had several opportunities. He clearly is very comfortable in his skin at Vaughn Hemingway Stadium in Oxford, Mississippi. So that sends all kinds of positive messages out there to every kid who's thinking about where do I want to go. But make make no mistake about it, they got a lot of money that they're that they're able to play with to make sure these kids uh, consider Ole Miss. And yeah, look, I think Ole Miss. I think Ole Miss is going to be. This is the great thing about a 12-team playoff. I still don't think programs like Ole Miss are all of a sudden going to supplant Alabama and Georgia or LSU when things are right in Baton Rouge. I still think there's that line of demarcation that's really going to be hard to overcome in recruiting and everything else. But you don't have to in order to have a chance to play for the biggest of stakes in a playoff. That's what the difference from 4 to 12 is. If it's 4, Ole Miss... 50 years from now, may never get into a playoff and still win a lot of games. With 12, uh, you can sell kids to come to Ole Miss and we'll be in the playoff once out of every three years. How about that? You can play here four years and you're going to get the experience of a college football playoff. I think Ole Miss can do that now. I think Tennessee can do that now. I think uh, some programs in the SEC that for whatever reason have gone sideways can eventually do that. Um so, yes, it sends a, uh, a a really, really good message. Here was my question that I teased to break. I, I noticed, I mean, Shane Beamer in South Carolina also cleaning up in the portal, right? Like having a, a lot of success. Your, your mic's down again. Um, They're pretty is, well, it an, yeah. is it an advantage at all if you don't go to a bowl game and you don't have to worry about practices and preparing for another game, if you can just sit back and say, hey, our season's over, I am 110% all in on just hunting kids in the portal. Interesting question because there are some there's some schools of thought. Like I've talked to coaches before. They're, maybe they're sitting there at four and, or five and six or something and it hadn't been a good year. Uh, and that's not, not South Carolina this year. South Carolina did what they did want to beat clubs that desperately did want to go to a bowl. Um, but I've told some folks before, it's just been a bad year. It's like, 
I'd just rather not go to a bowl and just get it over and start recruiting and, and working to fix this. Um, if you look at it, though, okay, so Ole Miss isn't a bowl. Uh, Colorado is second, but not. But that's a, it's kind of a special situation. Louisville is in a bowl. Arizona State, I do not think, is in a bowl. TCU is not in a bowl. South Carolina is not in a bowl. Notre Dame is seventh. They are in a bowl. Texas Tech just finished. Uh, I will say this. With the new calendar, like Texas Tech's situation and Cal and, and those teams that just finished playing, that's ideal because you go play and then signing, and then you're free for the last stretch run of signing. day. Now it takes away a visit weekend, so who knows. Um but yeah, I, I, you know, that's something that coaches. I, I think you probably ask most of them. They would kind of just tell you it depends on what what kind of year you, you've had. Um, overall, I think most of them right now, with how busy everybody is this time of year, would be like, play the damn bowls in the spring. We we gotta we gotta get new. Uh, we gotta get some stuff done with our roster. So that's uh, that's how I feel about that. I, I think okay. That, you know, I, I, I was just wondering. I don't know that South Carolina either way. You know, I don't. I don't know that the time, extra time has has mattered there specifically. But there are some instances where, I mean, you know, you, like Colorado last year would not have been able to do what they did by flipping that roster. Uh, I think had they been in a bowl game and somebody's right. trying to coach and, and all that good stuff, Dion just kind of get in there and got it done. So. And and it seems to me, and I again, I've already said for the record, I'm pro bowl. But it seems to me the whole notion. Remember, it used to be, oh, you, you the great thing about a bowl game is the 15 practices, and that's invaluable for next season. I don't know if that's the case anymore. The rosters have so much turnover. So the cohesion and all that, it's not the same. You don't work kids as hard as you do. Uh, you know, it's not like you had the old school guard like a Lou Holtz that would take those 15 practices and guys would be hitting and tackling and getting bloody. And you don't, the coaches don't do that anymore. You can't even do that in the fall the way you used to. So yeah. I don't know if the same value, again, Pro Bowl, want everybody to participate, even though we're going to have opt outs. But I don't know if it really does anything to improve your team the following year. I think it helps like, I mean, you know, if you, if it, and it, it kind of also depends on the experience and the opponent, um, you know, who are you playing? I could see this, like, let's say a lot of these quarterbacks just these days just opt out because they, they, they just do. And you got a backup. It's going to start the game. That's pretty valuable, you know, because mm-hmm. he's not all of a sudden got starting that's true. experience. Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, maybe that's the same with other positions. Maybe it, you know, it, it, I think it gets a little dangerous sometimes, though, because some of these teams are going to play in a game full contact with, like, one guy at a position. And, you know, and he's playing every snap, chances he could get hurt or whatever. I think, the, you know, I, I think the push for players to get paid at its core, I don't have a problem with it, especially NIL-wise. NIL, NIL wise. I, I thought some of the NIL rules were stupid, and I get it. I don't like the national media – putting out propaganda about actual numbers because at the end of the day, they want these guys to all make as much as coaches and they're just not worth it. You know, at the end of the day, if you value, if you make a valuation on a college football player and who fans are actually pulling for and all that, they're coming to see the name on the front more so than the name on the back. Uh, And there is a symbiotic relationship there where the school actually does brand the player because the school has the fans, you know, you don't get that big audience. 
you know, Juice Wells does not become Juice Wells if he stays at James Madison until he gets to the pros. You know, there's value there in what the college programs bring to the table. But the crappiest thing I think they've done is push this opt out of a bowl game thing. Because they don't like the bowls because they don't like to cover them. Because most of them aren't even football fans. And they're like, oh, these are stupid, whatever, blah, 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 blah. They, they don't like it. They, they, they don't. It seems like anything the fans love or people that love college football love, the, the media is against. And so when Leonard Fournette did this a few years ago, they, they scream from the mountaintop, this is going to be the norm. And now you have guys opting out that have no business opting out. They don't even get drafted. Mm. They just opt out and don't get drafted. And, and I think, I think it, what does that tell you about commitment to a team? These games still count. They're still keeping score. It's still part of your record. What does that say? What what kind of message did that send when, when, when everybody just stood up like it was the third act of Phantom of the Opera and applauded Leonard Fournette for doing that? You know, and, and I get it. You know, hey, running back like Leonard Fournette, maybe I'm not doing it because running backs take shots and all that. I think it's a position about, but you have guys that have no business opting out of anything. <laughs> Just opting out. They just don't feel like playing today, you know. And yeah. I think that, uh, I, you know, I, 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 that that to me, uh, of all the problems I have with what the National College Football Media has has gotten behind and propagated the last few years, that to me kind of is sad. Uh, and I also think the NCAA sucks because the way to fix that is all these bowl games are sponsored by somebody, right? They're all TV deals, right? NIL money to play in the bowl game, baby. That's that's the most common sense thing I've heard in a long, uh, long time. Clearly, and it's against the rules. Yeah, well, for how much longer? Who knows? Again, I, I think the NCAA is going to be a um, kind of a footnote in history pretty soon as it pertains to college football. Mm-hmm. McCaffrey was the other guy that did it that year, and yeah, that the Fournette and McCaffrey basically set a trend. By the way, Benson has opted out for Florida State. I'm waiting to see for Georgia. You know who's going to opt out that 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 game, which is intriguing on a lot of levels. It's kind of like you did me wrong. The you did me wrong bowl game. Well, the you did me wrong bowl game could have a lot of opt outs, and so if it does, then what are we really proving, if anything? Um, you know, but I, yeah, the the obvious answer would be to 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 backload compensation to have you have to finish it out to actually get your ni your nil money. And then bonuses for postseason. Nothing. There's nothing illegal about that. You could you could certainly pull uh, something like that off. What if uh, in the Orange Bowl? Here's the thing: everybody likes to claim national championships. Well, let's say Florida State beat Georgia, and Alabama beat Texas by a point in a game where uh, they really didn't outplay them. Let's say Florida State beat the crud out of Georgia in the Orange Bowl. The AP would vote Florida State. So there would be a large chunk of AP voters just to prove a point to vote them. There might. There is something to play for down there in in the Orange Bowl, I think. Well, uh, no, I agree. Um, But, again, for kids that are – there's a lot of noise in their heads and a lot of them are being told, hey, you know, you got to get ready for the draft as if one more game is going to hurt. Whatever happened to ball is life. Remember, like, kids – Wear it on T-shirts. They they'd say it. Ball is life, man. Ball is life. But I just I just ball. 
ball, ball, ball. Well, then you have the chance to play some extra ball and you, <laughs> you opt out. Uh, it's But, it, you know, a lot of it is, again, people in their head telling them, man, you don't want to risk the injury. Um, has it ever happened? Yes, there's the infamous example, and I can't remember the kid's name, who uh, tore up his knee in a bowl game. Did it hurt his draft stock? Yeah, but, I mean, nowadays, like, you could just as easily have an injury. Most injuries are non-contact. Like most injuries that football players suffer are actually non-contact. They they tear something up running a route and practice. They uh, hurt something in conditioning. Like it's it's not just like the kill shot that you see in a in a football game uh, where all of a sudden that's where they get hurt. A lot of it is just wear and tear, freaky angle on a joint. You got all that torque and everything else that's going down. And sometimes it, it just happens. And the thing is, the, the it used to be like a death sentence, a torn ACL or something. It's kind of like the Tommy John surgery in baseball where a pitcher would never be That's That's ancient history. Uh, there, there's more guys out there on the field and, and on the court that have had a major surgery for a torn ligament that are just as good, if not better, than ever. It's it's no longer a death. It's not it's not the end of your career. It's not even uh, a, a major setback because you're back in less than a year in in many cases. Anyway, we can go on the whole medical stuff. What's number five, uh, Mister Announcer? Number five. All right. Finally, real quick, Cameron Ward, Washington State quarterback, visits Florida State. Speaking of Florida State, your thoughts about him playing for Mike Norvell and giving being the next quarterback in that program. No offense to Jordan Travis, who got a lot better during his time there and was special this year. Cameron Ward's a game changer, in my opinion, if they get him. Uh, yeah, now I I would push back a little bit on Jordan Travis is not as good for whatever reason. Like Jordan Travis was, for, for as much as he was good physically, He's an intangible guy. Like that kid's a winner and just the ultimate glue guy and, and all the other things in addition to his talent. But yes, to your point, Cam Ward is um, you know, he's the gem of this portal class, right? Like is there a higher rated quarter? There's some good ones now. Yeah, Malachi Nelson, the five star young kid yeah. from he just got in and he just got in, but now Dante he's not he's unproven. Yeah. Like you like with Ward, you're you're you you've already seen it. It's it's there. It's not potential already there. So I mean that is a that'd be a major a major pickup. And again, I think not to switch subjects on you, but I think this is where we're headed. Where I think coaches the temptation, excuse me, the temptation of getting an established guy as opposed to the four or five star that you groom and hope turns out to be great, but you don't know. I think the temptation to get the established guy is too big. It's just too big to to turn that down. Now you want both. If you know, if you're Georgia and you're Alabama, you can get whatever the heck you want. But but I think for the rest of you know the 99 percent of the programs out there that don't just finish in the top five in recruiting every year and stockpile blue chip players three deep, uh, the temptation to get a guy at that position that you know can handle all the things that come with being a starting quarterback in big-time college football. That temptation is too great to not go for that candy as opposed to play the long game with a recruit. 
Agreed. And, you know, same reason the NFL, you know, when, when the Bears drafted Justin Fields, they released all their other quarterbacks. Well, then they went and signed Andy Dalton in free agency. You know, here's Andy Dalton. He's going to get us through. And, you know, usually that guy kind of gets you through. In college, nobody's patient enough to sit. I mean, no. you have mamas and daddies and street agents and stupid people in their ears say, we well, very good, 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 you do, do, you know. And all that good stuff. R.I.P. Eric Montrose. Did Eric Montrose die? I, I, I just saw the chat box. I, I, I I'm sorry. I can't answer that right now. <laughs> you remember him for North Carolina basketball. Very, very well, yes. Um, yeah, so I, I think I think that's going to be interesting to see moving forward because I agree. I do think if you're a coach that you're like, that's too important of a spot. You kind of look at the, other, the guy with the experience. Man, look at what he could do here. and You just don't know on the other guy. Don't know for sure. All right, quick final timeout. We will get to that mailbag on the other side. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams or what sauce of any goods best on a rack of ribs or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in Southern soil, are crafted by Southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. South Carolinians, this message is for you, as well as for people in Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee. If you think you may need work done to your roof or a new roof altogether, there's one simple name to remember, Elite Roofing and Restoration. South Carolina native Jeremy Johnson has been helping people in the South make sure they have the very best people checking on and building new roofs for over 25 years. Fully licensed, bonded, and insured, they provide the best service possible. Call or email today, 678-781-1998. That's 678-781-1998, or you can go to EliteRoofing.com. GA.com. Schedule a no-hassle free inspection today. Wind damage, hail damage, or just wear and tear. Don't settle for second best. Let Jeremy Johnson and Elite Roofing and Restoration take care of it all for you today. Hey, this is Mike Morgan, and like many of you, I love staying active. It makes me feel better. It helps me enjoy a better life. But whether you're a world-class athlete or someone just keeping the dream alive like me, you'll want to make sure you have someone who can handle the injuries that are going to arise. That's where the world-renowned Dr. Michael Hatrack of Synergy Sports Wellness and Synergy Release Sports come into play. He's been my guy for nearly a decade, and he has served thousands of people, including over 400 NFL players, over a career that spans 47 years. Yeah, he's that good. And his staff's personalized biomechanical treatments and therapies can handle it all. Back pain, knee pain, shoulder pain. We all know the injuries, but few know the solutions the way Dr. Hatrack and his terrifically trained staff do. I've seen others. No one delivers the results the way they do. That's why people from all over the country come to Synergy's two Georgia locations, Buckhead and Alpharetta. Dr. Hatrack has trained a team of chiropractors in his proprietary technique that has been proven to yield life-changing outcomes from professional athletes to the Joe Schmoes of the world like, well, me. Check out the website to set up an appointment today, SynergyReleaseSports.com. That's Synergy with an S, ReleaseSports.com. You can also find a link for them on our website, JCandMorgan.com. Let the incredible staff at Synergy take care of you so you can reach your wellness goals. 
To the mailbag we go here in the final segment of number 225, J.C. and Morgan on a Monday morning. Hope everybody is well out there, including Miranda G., who's a uh, frequent listener. I know that because she says, right off the top, love your podcast. Right off the top, we love you, Miranda. That's the kind of uh, intro we love to see. I've listened to you all since the very beginning. Keep up the great work. Here's the question for you guys, why was Jimbo really, in capital letters, fired? The Aggies uh, were underrated. The Aggies are not terrible. Look at who they lost to and how they – this is a little a couple weeks old, but uh, you get the idea. I think Jimbo was fired for, quote, behind-the-scenes reasons. I get that we want championships, but what if we just aren't that team? Do we work to accept that? Uh, Miranda, I will just tell you that – the expectations of Texas A&M have always been higher than the results, at least in my lifetime. I don't go back to uh, the heyday of A&M football. But if you're going to spend that kind of money, they gave him every possible piece of financial thing that you could want, and the results just didn't get any better. And then you bring in Petrino, and it still didn't get any better. Uh, I, I don't think it was anything more mysterious – are nefarious than that. I think they were just ready to move on and try to finally make it to the next level. Yeah, there were some behind the scenes. There was more football behind the scenes stuff. Like in other words, organization structure, not letting Petrino coach Petrino having to call like Jada Jimbo's playbook, stuff like that. Um, you know, I don't, I don't see there. I don't. There, there was nothing like nefarious, and it, it was an investment versus return decision. And I, I think, don't think for a minute that Texas going to the playoff and going to the SEC next year didn't have a lot to do with that decision as well. That is a that's a bingo. That's a huge one too. It's not as if both Texas schools were down at the same time. Texas all of a sudden has found lightning in a bottle with Sarkeesian, who uh, makes a lot of money, but not Jimbo money. Certainly not a Jimbo buyout. <laughs> Uh, and and you're sitting there at A and M going, okay, wait a minute. Now they got their their stuff together. How come we don't? So uh, we'll see if Coach Elko can finally get A and M over the hump. Uh, Justin, one of our great listeners in the ATL, what a close to the college football uh, four team era. Of course, every Michigan fan would admit you'd rather play FSU without Jordan Travis as opposed to Bama's latest championship squad. But as the great philosopher Rick Flair said, to be the man, you have to beat the man or at least the man who beat the man. couple other quick points I wanted you to get uh, get your thoughts on. Number one, committee clearly doesn't care about who deserves, quote-unquote, to be there, but in searching for the four best, don't we often confuse best with most talented? Along with that same vein, I don't think citing Vegas expectations is the best way to pick teams either. See Washington over Oregon. Totally agree with the last point, Justin. I, I, the Vegas people... And I'm guilty of, of, of looking and sneaking a peek, too. Um, but that doesn't make my final decision for me. Again, I will say this emphatically. If Jordan Travis was healthy, Florida State's in. If Jordan Travis had that injury in the last quarter of the last game of the season, the ACC championship game, I still think they sneak in. But you watched eight quarters without Jordan Travis of really bad offensive football by Florida State and you watched an Alabama team simultaneously. Uh, yes, they won on a, a Hail Mary, but they did win the game against Auburn. And then, of course, 
They beat the team that won 29 straight and two national championships and another loaded Georgia team. Uh, that with a 12-1 and record and a Jalen Milrow who clearly has evolved. I, I, I just think that was too much for the committee to say no. The, the whole notion that Florida's, Bama's a bigger brand. Florida State's a huge brand, folks. I don't know who's been telling you that. Um, this is not for Justin, but I, I hear this. Yeah, Florida State's they're not a big enough brand. Florida State's a massive brand. Yes. Massive for the there's like I mean we we've had to sit through uh, seminars on this and they go over the the programs with the highest you know brand in 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 Hollywood terms this would be like who's got the best cum rating Florida State's right up there folks like Bama Florida State Michigan Ohio State Southern Cal these have always been brands so it's not like they left out North Texas they, they took one brand over another brand like that's. It, it came down to stuff, but it wasn't based on brand. Uh, he also adds, if Texas wins at all, won't miss most SEC fans retroactively label Texas an SEC team consider they, considering they beat the champs and joined the conference in 2024? Uh, yeah. Why, yeah. I mean, I think by now SEC fans have ba- basically come to the realization Texas is they're one of us. And so is Oklahoma. Number three, isn't it time for America, or at least the SEC hating portions, to embrace Harbaugh and Michigan as America's team, if for no other reason to get temporary relief from Feinbaum and others? Yeah, that Feinbaum-Harbaugh thing, that that goes back a couple years now. And now you've got Ric Flair joining in on it, because Flair, for whatever reason, has become a big Michigan-Harbaugh fan. And so he's talking trash to Feinbaum again. Paul's got four hours a day to to do a show, find content. He loves this stuff. He loves it. So anytime he can rattle some, he goes after Dabo. Again, an ACC coach, a Big Ten coach. You know, he's not really going all in on an SEC coach. Uh, so it's it's good for the brand. It's good. It's entertainment. I don't make much of it. Look, we've said on this program a number of times. Uh, I think Harbaugh's great for college football. I really do, and, and I don't want him to leave it. Now, am I? Do I pull for Michigan? No. Uh, do I think they clearly had a, a racket and Jim knew everything that old Connor Stallions? Yeah, I absolutely believe that. I, I, but you know, they <laughs> Jim Jim gives two f's about the rules. <laughs> and if he can get away with it, he's going to get away with it. Uh, last one, Derek, another Atlanta. Uh, uh, email or jcnmorgan.com. Hi, gents. Congrats. Uh, you have you have just been named CFB commissioner. What are a few items that would be implemented and or changed first? Well, I think we hit on a bunch of them, JC. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so I they got to clean up. You got to have some type of, of guardrails and actual format for NIL. You can't end the portal and you can't. And now you've got this portal lawsuit. You've heard about this coming out of uh, West Virginia, a very ambitious uh, attorney general there uh, going on every national talk show that would have him because he's really concerned about one basketball player's eligibility for the Mountaineers. Um, And, you know, look, it is bipartisan. He's a Republican. There are a number of Democrats that want this. But if if you have no guardrails on the portal either – I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know if that's really great for college. Nobody wants to deny, and sometimes the NCAA hurts itself uh, unintentionally. There are clear examples, like there's a kid, Jalen Cook, who was at LSU and left for Tulane, now wants to go back to LSU, 
and not have to sit out. But as we we that to me seems like one that would be pretty easy to pass. But now the the wild card is mental health, and so you've got people. You've got uh, clusters of people, as I understand it. It's not like the same three people on every committee that 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 drops the gavel on every mental health case. It's different groups here and there for different assigned to different player cases, and you have to decide whether or not a kid's mental health is damaged by not allowing him to transfer without sending a year. I mean, good luck with that. Good luck to do that. Um, I tell you what I do, Mike. Chip Kelly, his idea he had the other day. I, I'm oh, like, he had oh, a long I'm, speech. Yo, I'm in favor of that. I'm in favor of that completely. Because tell tell it, the folks what you're talking about. Okay, yeah, it's a way to fix everything. He said, "Look, Notre Dame's independent in football. Why don't we all go independent in football? Then football mm-hmm. breaks away. Sixty-four teams is what he was 64 saying. Sixty-four teams in one Power Five conference. Sixty-four teams in a group of five conference." And then, you know, you, you kind of rotate it around like the NFL. And, you know, he's like, one year we'll play, you know, our seven teams from the West, and then we'll play one year three from the South or three from the Northeast or three from the Midwest. And you rotate it around, and you keep the geographical uh, affinity that people love about college football, but you also get some fun and interesting cross-sectional matchups and he said, then you have one a year where you get to play the group of five. And uh, and then, you know, it, then it, it doesn't impact basketball, baseball, soccer, all that. And he's like, and you're telling me that the networks wouldn't throw money all over this? I thought it was one of the – Chip Kelly, of all people, one of the smartest yeah. things I've heard. You know, I, I thought, you know – I mean, bad for a guy almost got fired. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I love Mike Leach, and Mike Leach talking about having a 128-team tournament in football. I'd, it was just Mike Leach, but, you know, Chip, the way Chip laid it out, it was like, man, that, that's eight conferences, 64, eight times. You know, and you play seven teams in your neighborhood, and then you have, you know, cross-sectional games you play. I think, and, and that preserves rivalries. It, it doesn't uh, – you're not having ridiculous road trips um, that much, uh, and especially – and it doesn't impact the other sports, and the money would be there. So I don't know. I thought, I thought it was – I th- I'm in favor of the Kelly plan. That w- that would be the first thing I would implement because I I think bigger than NIL, bigger than transfer portal, we have a conference in our sport that is greedy as you know what that wants to dominate it, even though they don't have the best programs and they never will. Okay, and I'm no offense to our Michigan fan there. I'm not talking about history. I'm talking about year in and year out. That league is one even with the addition of all the other teams, three national titles since 2000 that we were talking about. Ohio State's won two, and uh, SC has won one, and you've won one since 04. All right. There, it, it's ridiculous. I mean, it, 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 but, but and they are the ones, after the alliance, and they blocked the, 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 the expansion of the playoff for this year, they are the ones that stabbed everybody in the back and slit everybody's throat. And I think it's out of control. I think they are out of control. I think having everybody under one roof uh, with somebody with a brain leading it, not the guy that used to lead the Big Ten that works for the Bears now, maybe maybe a Greg Sankey, definitely not Jim Phillips, and breaking off Power 5 football, Group of 5 football, the money's big. It makes sense. You're, you're kind of cohesive. The playing field somewhat evened out a little bit. I don't know. 
I think this uh, it's not regionality anymore. It it's it's gobble gobble gobble, and I just I, I think that's something that's gonna you know not only really hurt the sport in the long term, but probably hurt all of college athletics. So that that would be the first thing I'd, I'd save athletics and save football at the same time with the Kelly plan. There's a lot in there that made sense. I would I would just say, and I know we're pressed for time that, um, as a lifelong SEC fan to get rid of like the conference race and the championship game. And I realize there's a lot of people listening like, well, my team's never in it anyway, so I don't care. Um, I get it. But I I think that's really a good part of the fabric of college athletics. And yes, I know I'm waxing poetic about a system that is uh, being destroyed before our eyes as Florida state and Clemson and Miami still do everything they can to get out of the ACC. And we're headed toward the SEC and the Big Ten being like the NFC, AFC, and we no, we no longer have a Pac-10. And the Big 12 has done a great job, but, I mean, they're still limited overall compared to the other two. When we have this 12-team playoff, make no mistake about it, it's going to be chock full of SEC Big Ten teams. Uh, and that's that's not necessarily a good thing for the sport, but that's probably the way it's going to go down. And so – uh, I, look, I'm open to all ideas. I thought Chip made a lot of sense on a lot of levels. I don't agree with everything in there, and I'm clinging to the hope that uh, we still have some regionality or at least some conference regionality where even if teams are flying all over the place, you can still say, yeah, but they're with this league, and they're with that league, and they're going to fight for a championship within that league. I I still like that part of it. I guess who's going to win them all, though, Mike? Uh, the, the SEC and the Big Ten. <laughs> the SEC. I mean, I, you know, I, I look, Michigan should be scared to play Bama right now because, you know what, Bama is a better football team than Michigan this year, and Michigan's well, more faster. We'll find more, out. They're faster and more, they're, clo- as, they're as close to an SEC team as they have been ever. Yeah. Right? And still you look at the matchup and you go, good Lord, Bama's got all these guys, and, and, and Michigan's got guys too, but – you know, this ain't an Ohio State on defense. I mean, you know, there's just – anyway, I know we're going to break – well, actually, we probably won't break that. I mean, I don't know. We're not – is this it? This is it, man. We're about to wrap this things up. For the yeah. year. For the year, though. I mean, because – Oh. A week's Christmas, a week from today. Oh, I didn't even think about married. that. Yeah, yeah. So this is the last one of 2023? Well, I'm glad I brought that up, dude. <laughs> I didn't even think about it. My calendar is so far off. You oh, can, yeah. I'm like, I don't know I'm, what day it is. I don't know what the date is. Just it, wake me up when Christmas is here. I thought it was like the 14th today. And I yeah, like no, I, I have no I'm clue. Like, oh, my God. I got to get some gifts out. Anyway, well, Merry Christmas. And Merry Christmas to, you, to everybody. Mike, yeah. And everyone out there. And uh, certainly we we have – this podcast has exploded. The live has exploded our advertisers have exploded. Our website's up. We thank you from the bottom of our heart. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's not a flex from us. That's really a thank you to you folks out there. Um, I, I, I hear it all the time uh, that the people that listen to a lot of people in this space, uh, they, they what we do, and we really do appreciate that. We don't take it for granted. We're going to keep going, and, yes, we do it throughout the entire off season because the numbers are still there and you folks still love some college football talk, so we'll keep it going. I promise you that. Yep. Next time we come on, it'll be 2024, and the man wearing the ski cap will be a married man. So I don't know if that means you're going to lose your edge. I don't know if that means you know you're 
You're just, you're, it's it's going to be a different JC. You're not going to be one of those married guys that like changes, right? You're not. I can't stand that. Like, still, no, still man, be I, true to you. I've been living with her and in a monogamous relationship with her for four years. Nothing's gonna, nothing's really changing. Dude. Okay, good. It's just, good. Uh, I just don't have to pay Obamacare anymore for my insurance. <laughs> Because uh, uh, she, she, she's got health insurance through her job. I'm self-employed. So that's oh, good. there you go, man. That's you a know, win. Uh, we get that tax break, right, for the kids. So nah, it's uh, it's going to be good. Next, so next time we're here, folks, we're going to be previewing the national championship game. The semis will be over. Wow. Uh, I'm going to sit my butt in South Florida January 1st and watch them. Maybe yep. with Mike. I don't know. Uh, and, uh, it could we'll be. be I'll be down there. Next, we'll be back that next week and uh, previewing that and get you caught up on the portal and – Look forward uh, and kind of look back and review this season and look forward to next. So, uh, yeah. anyway, I, that just hit me. I'm glad I thought about that. I'm glad you did, too, because honestly, I, I am so – my calendar uh, is so far off. I'm just happy when I wake up in a hotel bed, I can remember what city I'm in. In this case, it's Nashville. Uh, signing off from the Music City, signing off from Chi-Town, Mike and mm-hmm. J.C., happy uh, holidays, everybody. And when we see you next, we'll be saying Happy New Year and as JC mentioned, talking about the national championship game. I also want to thank our uh, great producer, the Mad Dog, Phil Molinax, for keeping us technically sound. Uh, for everybody else involved, thank you, and we will see you next time on JC and Morgan. So long.